0: Stress, anxiety, and depression are skyrocketing among children and teens. And Cook Children's Healthcare System is on a mission to bring these topics into the light.
1: I'm Winnie King. And I'm Dr. Kristen Perch. If you have kiddos in the room, now is the time to put on those headphones. Some of the topics we'll be discussing will not be suited for young ears. This is Raising Joy. Hello and welcome back to Raising Joy. My name is Kristen Perch and I'm a child and adolescent psychiatrist in Fort Worth, Texas at Cook Children's Hospital.
0: And I am Winnie King, (laughs) Chief of um, Communications, Inclusion, Diversity and Equity at Cook
1: Children's. And we have conversations about kids' mental health and how to help with experts in our community. Mm -hmm. And today we have an expert um, in grief and helping our kids grieve. So, um... I feel like the pandemic has really changed how humans grieve Mm -hmm. in that they are more separated from each other because we were worried about giving each other COVID. And we know that we need to be together. We need to share stories. We need to laugh and, you know, support each other with food and hugs Mm -hmm. and all Mm -hmm. those things. And I think it was just hard to, you can't do that virtually. Right.
0: Right. And then, then of course, the, the obvious impact of COVID was death. I mean, the death of parents, grandparents, um, you know, just relatives and how hard that is for children who who don't understand. And some of it happens so fast and it it is really difficult. So we're really glad that we have our our guest here today with us.
1: Absolutely. We have Miss Dana Minor with us today. She's the program director of The Warm Place, a grief support center in Fort Worth, Texas. Dana has more than 25 years of
0: experiencing helping uh, children with grief, and she is also a licensed professional counselor, supervisor and certified school counselor. Welcome to Thank Raising you. Joy. Thank you so, so much. So to have you.
1: So what exactly is The Warm Place and like how did it start? Sure, absolutely. So the Warm
2: Place is a grief support center uh, that provides peer support for children ages three and a half to 18. Mm -hmm. And we also provide grief support for our 19 to 25 year old young adults. And we provide that support to our families as well as the children. In addition to the grief support that we provide in our peer support groups, we also do a lot of grief trainings and resources Mm -hmm. and webinars and workshops in an effort to be able to be a great resource to our community. And we've also had a great opportunity to provide training at a national level with the National Alliance for Children's Grief. So that's been an incredible opportunity that we've had over the years. Tell me
0: what's the best way to talk to children about death. That is, it's gotta be kind of difficult.
2: Absolutely. So one of the things that we often talk about is just making sure that we're being present with children and then also giving them just a safe space to be able to share whatever it is that they're feeling. They may be feeling things that like they didn't know what to deal with, whether it was grief or guilt and understanding that some of that anger that they, that may kind of come up with them. We want to really be present, listen, and just give them that safe space to be able to talk about their grief. Really thinking about the vision um, of The Warm Place, it began with a conversation over 38 years ago with Mm -hmm. our co-founders, Peggy Bame and Dr. John Richardson. And one of the things that they wanted to be able to do was to create a space for children to be able to talk about their feelings. Um, In 1984, our co-founder, Peggy Bame and her husband, Lee, uh, were mourning the death of their son, Michael, who died um, from bone cancer at the age of 14. Mm -hmm. And at that time, they also had a daughter named... Megan, who was nine. And it became very apparent how important it was to be able to have a space for a child to be able to grieve and to talk about their feelings and to be around other kids that Mm -hmm. have gone through a similar experience. And so at that time and that conversation that occurred back in 1984, we opened our doors in August of 89. So 1989 to eight families. Mm -hmm. And after that first night, we have actually now been able to serve over 43,000 children and their families. And although we have continued to grow, our facility continues to grow, and our staff continues to grow, as well as our clientele, our mission has always stayed the same. Same.
0: Wow, that's incredible. That is incredible. That's a lot. Um, Have you seen an increase in the families needing support uh, during the pandemic?
2: That's a great question. And it's a question that I get asked often as far as just kind of, I know that speaking to the connection and knowing that how things have changed, I think the biggest impact that we have seen for our families is their ability to have memorial events Mm -hmm. and what those have looked like. And truly, they haven't been able to do some of the things that they wanted to do. Similarly, when a family member was in the hospital, those COVID protocols prevented families from being able to be a part of that process. Whatever it was, just to give that hug or to give that sense of reassurance just through that process and knowing that they have somebody that loves them and cares about them and being able to see them. So that's one of the great things that, um, you know, obviously prior to the pandemic, families were able to be a part of that. And now it's been difficult. So we at The Warm Place try to provide fun activities and memorial memorial opportunities, remembrance ceremonies if they weren't able to have the celebration that they wanted. So we've tried to give them those opportunities when they've participated at the warm place.
1: That's awesome. That's such good, important work because, you know, luckily losing a parent or losing someone really significant is kind of rare in childhood. So I think it makes kids feel alone. Um, And like they're the only person grieving or the only person in their classroom that's sad, but being able to come to group therapy at the warm place, like they realize, Hey, I'm not, Alone, You know, and and thinking about like an eight year old doing group therapy, not going to be that successful as it would be in a 15 year old. Right. But like you're saying, like you do those activities and things like that to help them, you know, heal by doing sometimes. Um, Have you noticed that there's different reactions to death among younger and older kids?
2: That's a great question. And I think typically what I think about with that would go in line with their understanding of death. For a lot of younger children, they don't understand the permanency of death. So they feel that it's temporary. Oftentimes they're asking things like, where do they go? Let's go look for them. When are they coming back? And so for those younger children, they're asking repeated questions and questions that we're often feeling like, think I answered that, but yeah. I really need to kind of be there and be present and let them kind of talk through that again. As they get older, they start to have a better understanding that death is something that is inevitable, but sometimes, you know, at certain ages they feel that it's avoidable that, you know, really they look at death kind of like a taker, like the the boogeyman or mm-hmm. something like that, you know, and kind of knowing that they feel like, oh, well, I can, if I do all the right things, I can avoid, you know, death. As they get a little bit older, they start to truly understand that we're all impacted by death and ultimately for teens they start to kind of contemplate what's the meaning of life and what's the meaning of death and so when we think all the different symptoms or all the different behaviors we see we see those from as little as you know birth you know children are recognizing that there's something different in the home they know that people are sad maybe there's more people in the home and so they start to react and change in terms of just those basic behaviors.
0: What kind of things do you hear from from children as they're walking through this process? Are there things that you hear repeatedly or things that you see there's always that theme around them when they're talking?
2: Yeah, I think a lot of the things that we hear from a lot of children is just, you know, how much they miss their loved one and kind of wishing that they had more time we do an activity that talks about if you had five more minutes with your loved one what would you say and how powerful that is to be able to say whatever words that they were thinking of and sometimes you may think they may have this like prepared speech and Mm -hmm. the first thing that they say is i love you and i miss you Mm -hmm. and so thinking about the things they share sometimes the things they're expressing is is feelings of you know I wish I could have, would have a little bit and being Mm -hmm. able to share what, you know, they wish they could have done with their loved one. You know, what are some of the things that perhaps I should have done differently? And we are, are, of course, there to listen and to support them and help them to understand that. If they felt like there was something they could do differently, they didn't cause the death, helping them know that, you know, we are here to listen to what they're feeling. And some children experience grief in the way that is like so powerful that they experience so much guilt and Mm. they feel that somehow they caused it. You know, younger children will think, oh. Like if I would have been a better kid or if I wouldn't, oh, I was really bad that day Mm -hmm. or I wish I hadn't said the things that I said. And so we process those things. And I think in a group setting with peer support, they get to hear from other kids that, oh, wow, you felt that way. Mm -hmm. So did I. Or I was feeling guilty, too. And it was just an incredible moment for them. Um, Another activity that comes to mind is we do an activity called Who Or what pushes your buttons Mm. and for even for adults, that's a good one. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But for kids, they kind of are given permission to be able to say like, well, it really bothered me when this kid said, oh, I know exactly how you feel. My dog died. And they're like, no, my brother died. died. That's not the same. And so they write down on that little die cut button, you know, what, you know, pushed their button or who it was potentially. Mm -hmm. So it's just
1: a great way for them to express themselves. And it sounds like you guys just give space and support for them to feel all of the feelings that, you know, they may shy away from or a parent may not know or there to like ask about and to support like the anger and the being frustrated because the kid tried to equate you know, something to their loss and it's just not the same, you know, and so I think, I think that's really cool that you guys give them the space and you, you've walked this journey with so many kids that, you know, that these are the things that are under the surface and you bring it to the surface so they can Mm -hmm. talk about it. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Kind of sitting in that pain
0: a little bit. You kind of have to, don't you?
2: Yeah. And that's what we talk so much about is being present in that pain. It's not about taking the pain away. It's about being present in Mm -hmm. that pain and knowing it's okay. There's a lot of things that we talk about in our groups where children are expressing how they're feeling. And sometimes, of course, in group, we may laugh, we may cry and knowing that, you know, whatever they're feeling is okay. Whatever Mm -hmm. those feelings that they're having is okay. And we talk about just keeping them safe. We always talk about, you know, making sure you're being kind to yourself and kind to others and kind to our things. We have what we call our warm place traditions that help to establish a great safe environment for them so they know that it's a safe space to be able to be heard, um, to be seen. We talk about it's okay to cry, it's okay to laugh mm-hmm. and to respect each other. Um, there's so many ways that they feel that sense of comfort and community by being around other children. Um, yeah,
0: it's so important that they find their tribe, that they have yeah. found their tribe and, you know, this is my village and, Absolutely. you know, uh, these people really do understand me. That is so important.
1: Yeah. What
2: are some of the myths about grief? Yeah. So there's so many common myths. I'm sure you all have heard. Mm -hmm. I think probably one of the biggest ones that I wanted to touch on would be um, that the goal of grief is to get over it. I think people will often say after time has passed that, you know, aren't you over that by now? Or it's been so long. And it's so strange to me because you think, have you not dealt with a death in your life or, you know, it's funny how people say that because we are going to always miss our loved ones. And that's normal. And I think helping, you know, kids to understand that, even adults to understand that. We often talk about moving forward with our loved ones. How can we stay connected and doing different activities that they can still be a part of our life and we still share their memories. And it's just one of those special things to know that, you know, it's okay that Mm -hmm. I'm still missing my loved one and a lot of time has passed. Mm -hmm. I think another big myth that people and you hear a lot of people say is I'm just going to try to stay busy that staying busy is going to help me and we know that we're all you know children are feeling sad and they're miss their loved one and staying busy doesn't change sure. that at all those feelings are still there mm-hmm. and so it's so important to and i think even during the pandemic you know really showed us for a lot of us we had to stop mm-hmm. being busy yeah yeah <laughs> and we were all in the same house <laughs> and all of our activities that we had planned were Not something we could do anymore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, families learned how to, you know, continue to honor their loved ones, you know, thinking about the holidays and what does that look like and how we, you know, I mentioned carrying our loved ones forward. Uh, One of the fun activities we've done um, and families actually shared that they continue to put their stocking up for their loved one. And they will add sweet notes and they'll continue to read those year after year. And that's a great way to just continue that. Uh, But for some families, they don't put their stocking up and that's okay. You know, we talk about whatever is their grief is their grief. You know, their grief is unique to them for sure. Are there stages of grief? That's actually one of the common myths as well. Okay, there Um, you go. Talk to me. Let's talk stages. Yes, talk stages. Um, So for most of us, where that comes from. And so, of course, being in education, you know, my background is in school counseling, as well as I've taught collegiately and taught psychology. So I, of course, have taught stage theory. And we've talked a lot about Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. And that's where most of us get that idea of of a stage theory. And Mm -hmm. I think the idea behind stages, typically when we think of a stage, is that we have to go through one then we go through the next and then we go through the next where we know grief truly is not like that, you Mm -hmm. know, whereas we may experience denial when we first hear it, or we may experience anger and frustration or depression, and we may bargain, Mm -hmm. you know, Hey, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe perhaps if I do this, then this will happen. And and then the hope is of course, for most of us is to gain acceptance. And that's part of that task of mourning is Mm -hmm. to be able to feel like this, this is real. And how do I, you know, deal with the feelings that I'm having as well as, you know, heal. And so I think the stage idea is something we've all learned. We've Mm -hmm, all heard. mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. I think we do go through different kinds of things in terms of grief changes over time. Sometimes people will describe grief like it comes in waves. And I will, you know, when I do talk, sometimes I'll say, have you ever stood on the beach? And you mm-hmm. kind of feel the wave sort of trickle and tickle mm-hmm. your toes, and then it goes away. And then if you brave and decide to step in a little further, and then it just knocks, knocks you, you down. down. Yeah. And so that's just a great way to kind of look at how grief can affect us in so many ways.
1: Mm. Absolutely. I mean, I, that's what I see in my practice, and that's what I've experienced personally. Is And that's what I talk to kids about whenever they... You know have lost someone really significant those are the hardest appointments and they're unexpected um you know i'll have a like a happy-go-lucky little guy lose a grandparent who lived in the home and they're just heartbroken it's really like it's just so hard you know just to see them having such a hard time i know parents have a hard time too like do you have any advice for how a how to support a parent who's grieving with their child who's grieving so like if they lost a parent lost their parent and you know both are grieving like how how do you help a how do you help a parent support their kid if they're also having a hard time
2: yeah that's a great question i often share that you know when we lose a loved one we all lost the same person but at the same time a different person based yes. on that relationship. Yeah. And so, thinking about that relationship, whether a child has lost a mom or a dad, or whether they've lost a brother or sister or grandparent, those relationships are very different. And so, when our children are actually in their peer support groups, we also have a parent and caregiver group where we are talking with the parents and caregivers about what their grief experience is. But in addition to that, we are talking about how do we support our children? Mm-hmm. How do we help them and be present? We often talk talk about modeling our grief and healthy grief. You know, we hear parents all the time say, well, I want to be strong for my children, so I'm not going to cry mm-hmm. in front of them. And we, what we really know to be true is it's helpful for them to see that emotion and wow. to know like, Hey, I'm having a hard time today mm-hmm. too. I'm missing dad too. Or just letting them, you know, be able to feel what they want to feel. So even given the parents permission themselves, to feel. We mm-hmm. talk a lot about giving yourself permission to feel
1: what you what you feel in front of the child. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have so many parents that say, you know, whenever we talk one on one, they'll say I cry in the I cry in the shower mm-hmm. because no one hears it. And yeah. and I'll say like wow. you're saying like hey look. Like you're strong in your tears. Like they need to see you experience emotion and keep moving forward like cuz mm-hmm. that's what they're feeling and that's what they're doing. We don't want to send the message that you go cry alone in your bedroom. So no one hears like, no, like you have to do it together.
2: Right. Absolutely. And I think that part of that too is, is that modeling, right. And letting them know it's okay. And I think that when we talk about it's okay to not be okay, or it's okay to just be okay. You know, like when we think about as parents, you often hear parents say, well, I just want my children to be happy. You know, we want them to, to, to be able to feel and really how we can help them is to let them know that we're not going to be happy all the time. Yeah. And what can we do when we're not feeling happy? You know, how do we support you through that and let you know that you don't have to have a perma grin all the time, that you don't have to come in from school and say, yeah, it was a great day. You know, it So we, not... we've done a lot of yeah. different activities with parents to ask different questions, because think yes. about when you were a child, probably the common question was, how was your day? How was school? Yeah. How was school? Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. to ask different kinds of questions. You know, what was something funny that happened today? Yeah. You know, who was somebody today that supported you or surprised you? And you be like, oh, well, you know, the lunch lady was like, hey, how are you doing? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I didn't even know they knew my name. And, you know, so something that really gets that conversation going.
0: Yeah, that's great. Um, talk about um, suicide. How is that? Is that different in that grief? Is that something special? What 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 is that like?
2: Sure. So children? I think that suicide is always a really tough topic for parents to be able to try to explain that to a child. I think that oftentimes parents want to protect their children, you know, and they perhaps don't want to tell them that particular news, especially if the death has been by suicide. But we encourage to be able to tell the truth, because if you start telling a different story, you're kind of going a different direction. You're really undermining that trust that they share and that most children are aware of situations. They're aware of what's going on around them. They hear conversations that are happening. And chances are, if that parent didn't tell them the truth about, the nature of the death, there's a cousin that knows, or Mm -hmm. there's somebody that, you know, read about it and knew that they struggled with, you know, depression or struggled with, you know, bipolar disorder, or, you know, there's just a lot of different things that sometimes, you know, we think our children are not prepared to hear, but they really need to be able to have those honest,
1: you know, conversations for sure. Are there words that you think are helpful, like in describing death or describing suicide? Like, like, do the words vary based
2: on age I think that you know when you think
1: developmentally sometimes one of the things I often say is
2: you do not have to answer every question that is asked and I think when we talk to children about death is that we want to kind of think about three things Uh, what does a child want to know what does a child need to know And what can a child understand? Mm -hmm. And so through that, when you think about those three things, you know, what do they want to know? Well, they want to know how dad died. Mm -hmm. So I'm struck with how do I how do I talk to them about that? You know, what do they need to know? Do they need to know every single detail of that death? Absolutely not. And if they're younger, it's probably really hard for them to wrap their mind around that. Mm -hmm. And then thinking about what can they understand? I mean, developmentally, some of the things that we may talk about may make sense to them. If you were to say, you know, when you know somebody dies from a heart attack, you can explain to them, you know, how, you know, dad's heart was beating and now it's not beating. Or we try to talk about with our pre-K children, the what's alive and and what's not alive. And so if they've ever seen like a pet die or, you know, understanding that when we're alive, that we breathe, we can move, we can exercise. And then when we are dead, we can't do those things. We are not talking, we're not breathing, we're not moving. But with children to help them with suicide, sometimes even when we talk about, I've heard a lot of younger children talk about, well, my um, loved one's brain was sick or they had like a, like they had an illness that affected their brain. Mm. Um, And so a lot of suicides, when we look at some of the statistics, Mm. you know, typically there are folks and maybe it wasn't diagnosed, but it was something that they perhaps were struggling with. So sometimes helping kids understand, you know, what their loved one was going through potentially um, can be helpful as well.
0: well. What drives you to do this work?
2: So I was really fortunate. I think it's been now over 30 years ago that I was introduced to the Warm Place. So I started volunteering at the Warm Place um, in the early 90s. And so I feel like this was my life's work and where I was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And so continuing to see the children that we work with and the families and how they're impacted by the support that they feel on a day-to-day basis. Um, I just shared recently, we had a young lady that just started our groups and was describing the warm place as a place of hope, happy, and safe. Mm. And so to me, that continues to just be an incredible, you know, special honor to be a part of our families' lives and what they go through—that's amazing, yeah. and it's such
1: important work. It I is. so I have a lot of patients who have gone through a significant loss in my practice, and I'm always tell them, please find the warm place, and and then whenever. And so it's just nice to see them because I see them every one, two or three months. And I can kind of follow, well, how's that going? Oh, I started at the warm place and they're feeling better. And I think it just gives them comfort in talking about it. Like they just get more comfortable sharing. And, you know, we know that opening up and not keeping that grief to yourself is really how you feel better and you feel more like yourself. So Mm -hmm. I, I just really appreciate everything that you guys do at the warm place. So how can people find out more information?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So anyone that's interested in learning more about The Warm Place, they are also um, so welcome to give us a call as well as we have a lot of great information on our website at thewarmplace.org and then we have social media pages then you can keep up with all of our special events. We also have different resources that we provide. We do a blog series to be able to help families in our community in supporting them through different times in their lives, whether it's anniversaries that are coming up or special occasions, but if they want to learn more about about what we do, I encourage them to give us a call. We would also love for people to come and visit the warm place and we will provide tours. Um, mm. And so that would be a really great opportunity, opportunity for them to learn more as well. That's
0: wonderful. Very good. Yes. Thank you so much. This has been great trying to understand and, and talking about grief and, and it's, it is a sad subject, but it is so necessary to help children walk through the, 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 the issues that they have to walk through and, and, and building that resiliency, you know, overcoming or doing what they can to, to get through or how they, how they can approach it, how they can approach it. And it's okay to sit in that pain, and they can do it. So thank you so much for this information. It really has been, it's been great.
1: Awesome. Thank you. Yes. And to our Raising Joy listeners, we appreciate all of your support. Please rate, review, and subscribe to keep these conversations going. And remember... JOY stands for Just Breathe, Open Up, You Matter.